the Lord. Father, thank you for great mercy and great grace. Thank you that you are birthing us into greatness and birthing ministries into greatness. In Jesus' name, amen. Please sit for a moment and um, let me have a short session with you, then Bishop Eddie will come in very soon. The conference is finished, isn't it? Yes. It's finished. So, we talked about evangelism. Now, the other closely related topic in the book is called retention evangelism. So I'm giving that one as an assignment, reading assignment. Will you read? Yes. And it's very important, like I mentioned earlier on, when you are reading, especially to the people who know it already. Yes, you have read it before. And um, to even those of us who are um, UD members, you have read it, you have done exam on it. When they say retention evangelism, it's like, in a in a in a is that not the response? That this one, I know it already. You might have read it, but as you are reading, I was saying yesterday that you read with a mind and a heart and an eye looking for implementable point. What else is there in this chapter? Because you can't also say that you have seen everything and you know everything. Does it ever work like that? No. Have you gone to write an exam that you were sure that you knew everything? Exactly so. Who said? Yes. You got a point. It didn't help you. That's what you're trying to say. Even with a point, you still don't know everything because you can't, you can't, you can't get everything. People who say they have a point, you see the grace they get, and you marvel. So, what I'm saying is that you don't, you haven't seen everything like you know everything like everything, but there's something you come across, it will just enter your spirit, and you see that, look, this is something I can do. I haven't done it in the church yet. So, read that, but let me share with you from chapter 8 of uh, the mega church. He said, fight for commitment. Church growth requires evangelism, very important. And you having people coming into the church all the time. Yes. Why did you move from here? Pardon? 
They ask you to come. Oh, it's okay. They can sit there. Yesterday you were sitting there. You were comfortable. I beg you, can she still sit there? Yes, please. If you are sitting there, you can still sit there. I've asked permission from the usher, so you can sit there. This is so. Bringing people in is one great thing. But that is not what ensures church growth. It's not the end of it. The other thing is how to get people committed. So this thing actually follows from the one I've given you to read, which is the retention evangelism. You have to retain the people is one thing. That means when they come, they are not going back. They are staying. And look, if you analyze your church very well, you would realize that the main problem in the church is not, for many times, it's not about the front door, they say, but it's about the back door. The front door allows people in. The front door, the back door is where people pass to go out. I did this thing one year, a certain year in the past, and it was so startling. And perhaps I was discouraged. I don't think after that I've done it anymore because I realized that the people for that year who came into the church as converts or first-timers were more than the church itself. So if at that time the church attendance was maybe like 800, the people who had come in as converts or um, first-timers would be like 1,400. Yes, something like that. You see, then I realized that, no, the, the problem really is how to keep people in because we didn't have any problem about how people will come in but how to keep them in. So that is also where your new believer school becomes very important and welcome prophet. Very important and um, all means of um, retaining people. I was reading um, Dr. Cho's book some time ago on I think this one is in my church growth stories, one of his books. And he said, people say that their church has a big back door. But as for the church, the, the church in Yoido, that is his full gospel church, there's no back door. Yes. It's emphatically stated, my church growth stories. And he also explained why he was saying that there's no back door. Because again, he has a grand network of cells. And the people who come to church would have already been established in the cell groups, even before they bring them to the main church. So by the time they come, he calls it a net that they have already been caught up in the net of the church, so they cannot escape. He gives 
very powerful illustrations of this tomorrow, God willing, if we have time as we talk about the cells thing, I'll refer to that chapter in the other book. And he shows how somehow the systems within the church keep the people and they cannot get lost because when you think that um, you have even left, there's somebody who is taking care of you and he will come for you. One person was um, a couple. They did something good for them. They invited them to the cell meeting. They went. They were happy. They went to the cell meeting again. They were happy. They were invited to the main church. And he said when they went, they were not happy at all because the thing was very noisy. They have never seen a group of people making noise like this before. But, I mean, it doesn't matter. The person who invited them had taken care of their son. So it was okay. And they never intended to go back. But then the following week, then they knock at their door again. It is time to go. And they had to oblige and go. Another week, they are there. He said they were so disturbed by the persistent invitations and somehow they've been forced to check that they sold their apartment quietly and moved to another part of the city far away. Here we have the time. I'll read it for you. I like, I like it. I love that chapter. Yes. But the person who was following them up and inviting them, never gave up. He said they went to the um, town uh, center office or something like every town should have or suburb should have a place where um, the residents of the place are recorded. You can go and find somebody. And he went to find out where these people had moved to. And he sent the message to the church office that these are my people. And they have moved to Frafraha or something somewhere far away. So from the church office, they sent their details to Frafraha cell leader, whoever was in charge at the place far away. So they had moved, they were in their new apartment. He said they were enjoying their freedom. <laughs> then one Saturday, somebody knocks at the door. Who is that? As they open the door, can you imagine who is there? Another person comes and introduces herself. You are welcome to this place. I am the cell leader here. And your names have been given to me. So I'm coming for you. No back door. It's that like you can't escape. You are in net. And whatever you do, the net has caught you. Yes. So that is very important in church growth because, like I said, I don't think so much the problem is how to get people, but how to retain, how to keep them in, and how to make them permanent, and how to make them committed. Yes. 
So, so this week, we are giving you a welcome by having the cell meeting in your apartment. And they couldn't say no. The whole thing started because their son was going wayward. And it was the previous cell leader. She is the one who helped the son and whatever to come back home and be okay. So then, as she invited them, they couldn't say no. Why are you good? I'm so bra, sorry, I would say no. Until they're happy, then we leave them. But they didn't know that this church, you cannot attend a few times to make somebody happy. No. If you make a mistake and enter once, that is it. May your church be like that. If somebody enters the church, he has made the mistake of his life. If he didn't intend to be a church member. So then they came and had the uh, uh, cell meeting in their house. They were, the cell members, they, they, they were very happy because they thought that these are members who had come. But only they knew what was in their heart that made them go to their place. So they have their cell meetings on Saturday. So Sunday, we'll go to church. They couldn't say no. They went, and when they came back, the man and they were said, look, the woman told them, it's the woman who spoke. Normally, the women, yes, their tree is a little bit softer. They said, the way it is, we can't run away from these people. We, we can't go anywhere, so let's just join them. That's all. So they joined and became committed. That's why they are later on sharing their testimony in the book. I'll read it for you. Then you know that. I mean tomorrow, not today. Fight for commitment. Pastor Joe, fight for commitment. Yes, fight for commitment. You need commitment from people who are in the church, but they are not in the church. Their body is there. Their spirit is not there. It's not like they have left and they are gone. They, they are around, but they are not really with you. So I'll read. If you want your church to grow, you must fight to have more committed members. Committed members are the building blocks of a large church. The key to increasing the size, increasing in size, is to have more and more committed members. Hmm. Let's consider, for example, if you are in a situation where you are building a house, Supposing you laid a hundred blocks on your building foundation every day. At the end of the day, you might look at the work done and say to yourself, things are getting better. The building is coming up nicely. How would you feel if you noticed that 70 of those blocks were missing every morning? So you are building your house. You have laid hundred blocks. Then when you come in the morning... 70 of the blocks you laid are missing. Is that not the story in the church? Yeah. You will feel very frustrated because your building project would progress at a much slower rate. The building will still develop, however, at a much slower rate. This is because of the regular loss of building blocks. In the case of a church, the building blocks are the members. The missing blocks are the uncommitted members who disappear ever so often. 
So if you get these people to be committed and don't disappear, you definitely will have your church growing at a faster rate than it has been. In order to develop committed members, every pastor must know about the different levels of commitment each member may have. Do not be deceived by a large crowd. A large crowd consists of people with different levels of commitment. You must press for the highest level of commitment possible from every one of your members. So now, um, Bishop discusses four types of commitment. Now, we have fair weather commitment. Some people who are fair weather commitment, their commitment is fair weather. What does it mean? The lowest type of commitment is fair weather commitment. This consists of those who are committed when things are going well. The Bible says a rich man has many friends, but a poor man does not have many friends. Proverbs 19.4, wealth maketh many friends, but the poor is separated from his neighbor. Fair weather means what? The weather is okay. Things are working in the church. There's no problem in the church. Um, they have installed air conditioners in the church. <laughs> and it's nice. And uh, what? The seats are comfortable in the church. You know, so this is not the slight in the church. This is not somebody who is committed to you or committed even to the church, but he's around because things are okay, the weather is fair. If you have any slight issue coming up, or if he hears a bad thing about the pastor, which is very likely to hear. Yeah, not because the pastor is bad, but once you are doing the work of God, like Bishop Eddie was um, telling us, Satan will motivate people to say bad things about you so that people will not stay with you and they won't be there. So if you are a pastor, you always have to be ready for bad things. Oh, yes. And if you're a member of the church and you hear a bad thing about your pastor and because of that, uh, they say he's like this and I hear that he's this, that I'm gone. You will be leaving one church after the other because if you have a pastor who is working and trying to be a real pastor, you hear bad things about him. Yeah, they'll talk about him. Even people in the church who are church members, some don't like the pastor. Yes, they gossip about the pastor. They say bad things about the pastor. So you have to note this commitment and therefore you don't have to rely. One example. No. Right. Number two. Situational friendship commitment.
Okay? The next type of commitment is what I call situational friendship commitment. Friends are committed to each other to some extent. There are also two levels of commitment between friends. Situational friendship commitment and non-situational friendship commitment. Situational friendship because the situation forces us to be together. A very clear example is like school. You go to school, you have friends because um, you were put in the same school for a number of years. You interacted in the school so more or less naturally. You see, but a day will come when you leave the school. And when maybe you complete school, this one passes here, this one goes here, and that one goes there. You know, you are, you, you, many times you are not friends anymore. You don't hear of the person again. You don't look for that person that you used to call your friend who was around you. So the friendship is only situational. The situation that you found yourself in made you friends. Yes. I have uh, my school classmate platform, the university platform. I mean, I am surprised that I don't even remember the people. But I was with them for three years. We were all together. We talked together and we did things together. When the name, the person's name comes up, then I am trying to figure out and remember, although it's some years back, but I've forgotten. And even when they bring up their picture, I'm more confused. They've changed completely. Everything has changed. Even if they are able to get some school picture and post, it makes it better. That's years back. Yes. But today, when you see the person has become a big man, and every, I don't know him, but this, ah, this, that, your friend used to talk to this person in the same club. It was only situational. So watch out for people in your church who seem to be around only because the situation is favorable for them to be around. Watch out for people who say that, oh, I've come to stay near your church, so I'm coming to your church. And remember that they left, they have left their church where they were. If you were in a, 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 a prophet's church at work, Kisema, and then you have come to live here, so you are coming to church here. Yeah. I will watch you closely because I know the day you get a house in Amasama, yeah. I won't see you again. Yeah. Although it's just here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Very situational. So don't be happy that somebody has come to live in your area and they are coming to your church. The way they came, that's the same way they will leave you. You watch and see. <laughs> Yeah. So what are we trying to do? We are trying to work on all these people to get them to be committed better. We look for people like one of the things we do is that we pull out from our records registration. Today is what day? Is it 8th? 8th July. Which people are celebrating their birthdays today? Then we call them and pray for them and things. And 
the person, the pastor of the area is to account for the people who have popped up from his area. So if you are their pastor, you say, yes, this person is around and true, today is the birthday is real. Or this one is gone abroad or this one is this and this one. And I sometimes see fantastic things. So this one has relocated to where? Sapeman. Yes, Sapeman. Yes, that's what I'm looking for. Ah, what is Sapeman? This one was, he was living in Ofanko and he's now in Sapeman. Sapeman is just after Masama. Is it here or here? Somewhere on the road. You know where the road is. That's what I'm pointing. He's just here in Sapeman. We have people coming to church. In Sa- and even my leaders also agree that it's relocation. So he's not around because he has relocated to Amasama. Situational. Watch out for these people. And the non-situational, so the situational people, everything is okay. Once there's a problem around, like what I'm saying, they have moved a little further away or a little distance away from the church. They call it relocation. And they won't come again. But there are also people who come from everywhere. One of my pastors has been in Tema for all these years. That's where they come from to church. Wow. Don't well, go and join a church in Tema. I said, no, we are here. Wow. Praise the Lord. Yes. yes, and it's working. Yes. Many, many years. They are here. Many, many years. The non-situational people or it rains and the road to your church is flooded. <laughs> no, 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 that's fair weather. Fair weather people, the weather is okay. Uh, fair weather, when it rains, that's it, you won't see them. But the road to the church is flooded. Uh, they won't come to church again. They are not committed. The non-situational friendship is different. When your church members have graduated to this level of commitment, they are not moved by head separations, conflict, or distance. You can rely more on such people. So we are looking for people with non-situational friendship commitment. They are with you, not based on fair weather, not based on in a situation, they are around a place or your church is very um, uh, nice or you are friendly, the people are friendly in the church or the pastor came to visit me, so I'm here at the moment, but there are no situation. Whatever happens, they are there. Situational people are also the people that when I came to church, where I sat, I like the place. Then the usher said I should move from the place and go and sit here. That, that one alone is a problem. Especially in a conference like this. Yes, you can be moved from where you are sitting to sit somewhere. Or you thought that they should have made you sit in front and they put you on a back seat or the second seat or the third seat. It can be an offense. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody is offended already in this conference. Yes, because you thought you should have been here and they didn't allow you to sit there. 
I don't know, but it happens easily. Or you were sitting in front, then when some people came, I don't know why they think they are more important, so they said we should get up. And so the non-situational people, going back to the school friends, they are the people that up till today, they are your friends. Do you get it? After many years, they are still your friends. Yes. A friend of mine is in the States. He's still my friend. His father is dead in Brongahafo region. He sent me a message that his father is dead. His wife's father died. When they came for the funeral, I went to sit on a plane to Kumase. Kumase and drove to Efijase and went for the funeral. And then they drove me to the airport, sat on the plane and came back to Accra. Non-situational. But a lot of my classmates, I don't know when their father died. <laughs> if their father died at all. I, I don't know. It doesn't come up. But maybe if we're still together in the school and their father died, I'll be at the funeral. But this time, it's very different. So these are the people who are with you and they are committed and their commitment is sure you can rely on them. These are the people who become your shepherds. These are the people who become your cell leaders. These are the people who become your leaders in the church and will help you to drive the thing forward. And they are not a lot. Oh, they are not a lot. You can see a crowd like that, but they are not a lot. Even there are people who join the shepherd's group or leader's group, but they are really not committed. When you have a meeting, where is this person? Ah, my mother said my grandmother will come, so if my grandfather is hungry, I should stay and organize some food for him. Because when my grandmother comes and my grandfather has not eaten, my grandmother will be so angry that her heart attack will come. They have stories. They always have some emergency that is moving them and they are not there now i tell young people who are to be pastors the first qualification is called availability yes the first qualification is availability that you are available you are there you can be called upon you will be there to do what you have to do when we need you and you, we call you you come if there's a meeting you will not come and give stories about your job and your family and your day there's a meeting you'll be here you'll be around and you'll be in the meeting availability that's what we are looking for yes first samuel 20 17 and jonathan caused david to swear again because he loved him for he loved him as he loved his own soul. You know the story of Jonathan and David. How Saul was making every effort to kill David. And Jonathan, his son, was making every effort to save the boy. Because he loved him. He was committed to him. To the point that he would save him. To the extent of not allowing his own father to carry out his desires. 
my father's desire should not happen on this guy because I have a commitment to him. People must be committed, said that they are even ready to inconvenience themselves. The last level of commitment is called marital commitment. So you understand what it is? Yes. There's even a higher level of committed marital. In marital commitment, the individuals are committed as though they are married. In marriage, there should be no thought of divorce. Mm. But rather, a spirit of permanence. There are no more options left. You cannot decide to stay or leave. You must stay. It is as simple as that. You are in it for good. There may be conflicts, challenges, even disappointment. But this will have no ability to shake the commitment of a married couple. So nobody enters into marriage with the mind that I'm going to marry for a contract for five years or three years. When you go into marriage, what's your mind? It's for your life, for better, for worse, and forever. That's it. And if you are committed, your commitment, the highest level of commitment is that your commitment to the church, your commitment to God, and your commitment to the things of God is like marriage. But let me talk about the church. Your commitment to the church is like marriage. Yeah. You are not thinking of, I mean, how would you feel as you are sitting there with your husband and what is going through his mind is how to leave you? Yeah, God must forbid. And God for really bid. So as he's sitting down, his hand is behind you nicely. I'm sure he's touching you small, small here and there. But inside his heart and his mind said, this girl, I have to think of how to dispose of her and how, you know, maybe I should go and see the father. Well, the uncle is also there. That's what he's thinking. But you have people think, sitting in the church and that's how their mind is working. What is the way out of this place? Even pastors. Pastors who leave. They left long ago before they left. Yes. So by the time they say, I'm going, they, they had left earlier on. So although they were in the church, they were in the pastor's meeting and everything, their mind was not there. Their heart was not there. That's why when people leave soon after you hear, even comments they made before they left. Oh, yes. Somebody who left us over here recently, he was preaching in church. Then not just one church, other pastors have said. Then he was make comment. I said, more lighthouse for the air. More lighthouse for the air. We are a lighthouse pastor. And you are preaching. And what I say, more lighthouse for that for you lighthouse people. So what are you? And we didn't even know that. I didn't even hear this. As he was preaching, he had left. He wasn't lighthouse anymore, although he was our pastor. Now he say, you lighthouse people. You say you don't like three songs, lighthouse people. 
Uh, lighthouse people, you don't like the uh, lighthouse people. Say, hey, what kind of comment is that? You are not there. So you can even be a pastor, but you have left. Your commitment is not there. Pastors, let's check what we are doing because the, one of the reasons where we will not have a certain level of fruitfulness is also our commitment. If the commitment is not marital, is it not marital commitment that brings fruit? Children? Yeah. If you are not maritally committed and you go and get pregnant, is it not a big problem that you have brought? Yes. It's the same pregnancy that one comes, we celebrate it, another comes, it's a big problem at home. Yes, more than frown. Hey, the trouble that has come for you, but it's the same thing. It works the same way. Eventually, your stomach comes and a baby comes. But the two are very different because it's expected that there must be a certain level of commitment and you must show a certain level of, of, of readiness to stay on by doing what? By cloth and by what else? Ring, ecolag, jewelry, uh, stool. Yes. My friend was going to marry and he, he sent me the list and there was a stool, local stool like Asesegwa. Uh-huh. And I screamed. I said, how? How would they write this thing? Tell them that you buy it. He said, I've bought it already. He said, when you are in love so much too, no, I mean, that's how it is. <laughs> he said, I've bought it already. It's already the cry. The guy is in love. All the things that they say you should do, you will do it, including what you think is not necessary. Like stool. Because he said the girl's father, I don't know whether a chief or traditional something. So you have to buy the one like this. <laughs> the one the chief sit on, yes. He bought it because he was looking for marital commitment it is just like jacob he went to serve for seven years and they gave him a woman then when he went he said no it's not what i serve for so well in our tradition the old one goes before the young so um, we, we have to send the old one but i still want the one that I said I like. So now let's negotiate again. They said another seven years. Or see, no problem. And we can't Bible now. Say the seven years went without notice, like some short time, because something is there. Yes. So when you have committed, you have bought the ecolag and all the things, and then you have taken her to the altar, to the church, uh, pastor has pronounced, the rings are on, then, now. Is that not so? Yes. The commitment is said that she is ready to flow. If you say flow, she will say yeah. Ten, yeah. Move, yeah. Power steering. Yes. Whichever way. Soft and moving. Why? 
because we are maritally committed. And if they marry and they go, the girls especially, they don't do what they become. We face them for not doing the right thing. Like if you are not maritally committed and you are trying to do something to her, you come and report and we face say, why didn't you? No, no, no. The person trying is rather in trouble. So it is so different, although it looks like a short distance. May God give you people who are maritally committed to you. Romans chapter 7, verse 4. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. Be married to who? To Jesus. He's the one who is raised from the dead. And when you are married to Jesus, what's the result? You bring forth fruit unto God. You become fruitful. It is the committed people, the maritally committed people in the church, they are the one who will be the source of fruitfulness to the church. Because they are putting on their ring. They have their certificate signed. They are secured. Their mind, their heart is in the thing. And they, they are not looking for a window to jump out of the marriage. They are in it. They are there. You will have problems. Are there not problems in the marriage? You quarrel small. But even if it is a major quarrel, it is not like the mind is that, look, I am looking for a way out. I'm looking for a solution. When you are in the church and they offend you, you'll be looking for solution. How to correct something or they face you. You are trying to correct the reason why they are facing you. Instead of looking for a way to jump out of it. Because that's not the solution. So it depends on your level of commitment. Then it also determines your line of action. Wow. People say they leave because they are offended. It is true. But everybody has been offended before. Have you been offended before? Yes. By who? <laughs> well, don't mention my name because as far as I'm concerned, I haven't. But definitely I should have. If I haven't, then I'm also not a good pastor. For the offense, it will come. So if you are there and everything that happens is taking you out, look, you'll be a member of this church and that church because when you go, you meet human beings. And you'll be offended again because there are human beings there. And you yourself, do you know the number of people you have offended? That one doesn't even come in. You see somebody he has had seven beloveds. Hey. Uh, this one, it didn't work because he was like this, like that. This one too is like that. This one is this way. This one, he talks too much. This one, he was uh, lording it over me. Uh, this one, he didn't have money. So everyone has a problem. And there's a reason why you couldn't get on well with them. But have you examined yourself what you are? And where you have, when the commitment to the church rises to the level of marital commitment, the Bible teaches that we will begin to bring forth fruit unto God. 
The higher the commitment, the more the fruit. It is only when a man and a woman have marital commitment that they can successfully bring forth children. True or not true? Very good. This is the type of committee I expect all pastors and leaders and mature members. That means all the people in this conference. This is the type of commitment you should have. If you are in a, a church with your pastor, you are committed to your pastor maritally. And you are committed to the church maritally. That means you are not looking around. You have a wife. Then you have come for a conference. And you are looking around for who is the nicest girl in the conference now. very nice one passes by you may not even notice because that's not what you are looking for even if you notice it doesn't mean anything yes it's just like a nice car that somebody is driving out there if somebody is driving their nice car do you go and say that i like this nice car so give it to me no so let's fight for real commitment for ourselves and also for our members and teach them this kind of things and let them assess themselves that what kind of commitment do you have what is the extent of the commitment and then you find out that they are really not there romans 8 38 he said for i am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As far as Christ is concerned, remember the scripture in Romans 7, 4, that we are married to him so that we will bring forth fruit unto God. So our relationship with him is marital. And our relationship with, if you are an associate pastor, an assistant pastor, a shepherd, your relationship with your church or your head pastor must be marital. I've been in this church about 30 years. I haven't thought of finding another place. I'm not looking out of where the next nice church so that i can go and join tomorrow i'm here it's nice sometimes it's not nice yeah because i also have had my own issues in the church anybody who has been around like me they have had wild issues <laughs> even marriages that are a1 they are still issues yes a1 marriages they still have issues. But when the issues come, you are not thinking of who is the next person to marry. <laughs> but you, when you are in the church and the pastor does that, you are offended. Where is the next church that I should join? Where is the next place I should go? You can go back to your presby or your anything, but remember that there are people over there. Yes. There's a lady who came to the church. She was very regular. She had a place that she would sit. Very consistent. I tried to encourage her. Do something in the church. 
Because, I mean, you can't be, your regularity shows that you, you love God. Yes. And you can't just misuse it. And she told me that, look, the church I was in before I came here, what did, I was very involved, I was doing this, there. what they did to me over there, so I've decided that I will never do anything again in the church. Yes. And she didn't. You see, and when you are there like that, things offend you. This one, that one, that are only a matter of time, you are gone. Even when you explain the thing, something like, hey, what, 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 what is it? About communion. Yes, the COVID time, we're not sharing communion in the church. So bring your communion. People organize, we buy the communion, don't we buy it from people? So those who are selling, they could organize it and bring it to the church. Is it one CD? So if you came and you didn't bring yours, and you, you go to the, it's not for the church. They are doing their thing, buy and carry. And they took it upon them, said, the church is now selling communion, so we are angry. I tell you, I, I called, I explained, the church is not selling. We are not selling. The, one of the restrictions in the pandemic is not to give communion. So if you bring it by yourself, it's in your pocket or it's in your bag, and you have COVID, it's on it, and you now eat. <laughs> it doesn't affect anybody. If even I have, I'm not sharing it with you as a pastor. So, but if you didn't bring and you need one, somebody's private something, we buy from them and give you. So go and pay one CD and get, that's all. Away bus. Because she had decided that, look, me, and she was there for years. Yes. So three of them, off we go. So if you don't come where, Things will push you out. Yes, eventually. Yes, you go out. Let me talk about three different members you have in your church. How to develop devoted members, but I may not have all the time to do. Three types of people you have in your church. Number one, dear stage members. Dear young ones, okay, I something like that. Oh, I don't know that I'm saying, what that I when a person is initially converted, he behaves like a deer, untamed, sweet-footed, difficult to keep in one place. You have to track them down through the mountains and the forest. They are difficult to handle. It is important to move your members out of this stage. When you visit them, they play hide-and-seek with you. There are nimble creatures. The plural of there is what? 
Dear, please, not dears. <laughs> yes. So, how many have visited a dear member before? Not D E A R, D E E R. Yes. <laughs> Who? Or to me, I thought you'd tell you yourself you had a dear before. Very good, dear. <laughs> Swift, nimble, mysterious. Are you ready? Somebody went on visitation, and what happened? As they were approaching, it was this uh, flat, flat type of. They had seen the person inside there. So when they got in there, they called. So and so, we are here to visit you. He said, oh, sorry. I'm not around. I'm not there at all. He said, ah, is that not the person we saw inside there as we were approaching? I don't even remember. They told her that we have seen you. And you are dead. That's a proper dear who is inside and is around and is saying that as you are calling me, I am not there. I'm not around. <laughs> oh, are you ready? These are the people with stories. So these are very, they say, untamed. Difficult to tame because they are not home. Have you seen deer walking around in the house? They are in the bush. They are born again. They are not born again. They have responded to the altar call. They have come for new believer school once. The next time you are looking for them for new believer school is another story. Sometimes you wonder, are they born again or are they not born again? At what point do you leave them? It's a question for you to answer. So then they'll play the hide and seek and move in the mountainside and in the forest and very difficult. If you don't have a heart for that, you will leave them. But you don't have to leave them. You have to still work on them and do your best and follow them to the mountains and to the forest and to the field and everywhere. Maybe until you get to the point where they are not followable. Yeah. You can't follow them. But they are dead. Number two, the next type of people you have in your church, they are ghost stage members. Upon Goats are little better than deer. They are far more domestic and easily accessible. You will see them. The deer, you don't see them easily. Or flashy like this. But goat there or a domestic. Mm-hmm. However, a goat is much more independent than sheep. They do what they want to do and are less likely to follow. When a church member graduates from deer stage, they move on to goat stage. As soon as a deer sees a human being, it takes off. Whereas a goat remains. So goat is better, isn't it? Do you like goat or deer? For now. 
goats are friendlier than deer, though they can often have traces of stubbornness. Yes. I've, I've, I've dealt with goat before. They have made me cry. Yes. My father's goat. I tell you, as a small boy trying to take these people to the, this thing, the bush somewhere where we take them to go and eat and things, to go and graze. But I've dealt with sheep and I've dealt with goats. The goats, as you see, we are going here. And I have the rope around their neck. And I'm holding them and taking them to this place. Go, said Davida. Me, I'm going this way. And I'm holding the thing. I say, you can't go there. And he's forcing that this is where I'm going. As a small boy, they can even drag you because I don't want to lose them. Holding them, you can be on the floor and they are dragging you and forcing that this is where I'm going. They are independent. They are in the church, but they are not of the church. They will not follow the pastor's instructions. No. Very stubborn. Extremely stubborn. They are round. They are domestic. They stay in the house. They are in the church. You see them. They smile in the church. But when you say it is fasting time, they will get vanished in the church. They'll vanish. Yeah. Evangelism. I say, cry. All night, they will not appear. Do you have some good members in your church? So you have to identify them and work on them. Do something to bring them in. And the final stage is the sheep stage. Yes. Oh, nice people. Sheep. Sheep are the best of the three groups. May your members be converted to sheep stage of commitment or devotion. Members. Yeah. Your goal as a pastor should be to have your church full of devoted sheep. These people follow the shepherd. Yes. They stay together and move with the group. Yes. This thing feels like I am writing. Because the experience I've had with them is exactly what's written here. Such members are much easier to pastor. Sheep are often devoted, committed, faithful, dependable, and loving members. If your church is full of devoted sheep, you will be a happy pastor. They will stay near you always and receive your ministration. So the difference between the goat and the sheep, very big, although they are both in the house, the sheep they follow. You have a group of them. If at that time, when the goats were making me cry, when I have the sheep, I have to, the goats, each one of them must have a rope, and then you hold this, hold this, hold this, and hold, if there are five, you have to hold all of them. Maybe they are children you leave because their children 
and <laughs> they haven't learned their stubbornness yet. But the sheep, oh, I can just take one person and then I'm moving and they are following. And when I look back, I mean, look, when I think of this, it's just like pastoring. Yeah, when I look back, I see a long line of them on the path and I am the one they are following. I become very happy. I feel good. I feel powerful. When your people are flowing, don't you feel powerful? Staying around and flowing with you. You feel that you are anointed. Man of God over those few sheep of my father. And they are following. I look all the way to that place. And they are coming. Sometimes I will just experiment. The one I'm holding like this, I will leave the rope down. And be walking. And they are coming. They will come. They will come. Because... They can see their shepherd. And the shepherd, they are not analyzing the thing. You see, maybe the goat, when they got here, ah, the other day we went here, somebody's farm was there. It was very nice. Why are you taking us to this place? So we want to go to the place where there's a farm. Don't take us to it. But the sheep, they don't analyze things. Where he's taking us? Is it a good place? The thing he said we are doing, is that the right thing to do? Is it this or is it that? Why not do it this way? There are some people in the church, anything that the pastor says, they have alternatives. You don't believe. Why are you still there? We're goats. Punching. Why are you still there? You question every decision and you question every instruction. But God has given you a shepherd. Unless you don't understand the word shepherd. Shepherd and sheep. That morning, as I was taking the sheep, I decided, or at least I've been asked that take them to this place. With delegated authority, I have decided where I'm taking them. And they don't question it. They just follow. Yes. They'll follow. If you go and tie the goat in the bush somewhere to grace, and after, like, towards the evening, you go and release them, and you have to bring them to the house. It's another trouble. They are running ahead of you to go home <laughs> or go somewhere else. I brought you here. You would never have been released if I didn't come for you. Now that I've come for you, I should leave you to find your own way and go. That's how they are. May God grant you Sheep. Following with all love and blessings. May all the dear members come down from the mountains and come down from the bush and come down from their hiding place and stay at home, stay in the church with you. May God transform the goat members. Make them people who listen and people who follow. When you say crusade, you find them in the place and they are following their souls. When you say evangelism, you find them and they are following. When you say we are given to do this project, they will 
flow with it and they will support you and they will do the projects with you. When you say, we are going to pray over here, they will follow you and be there. May God give you such people who would make your ministry established. I said that it gives the pastor or the shepherd strength. It makes the shepherd strong. It made the shepherd feel that, yeah, I'm powerful. And that feeling is also important. Yes. If you lead people who don't believe you, it's a very difficult thing. It's not every group you can lead. No, 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 no. I know that there are groups I cannot lead. (laughs) Even in the church. Oh, true. I can't. I can't. Lift your hands and pray. May God visit people who call themselves members of your church, members of your basenta, members of your ministry, members of your saint, wherever that say that they belong to you and they are with you and they are flowing with you. May God give them the grace to establish and the grace to be committed to the level that is highest. For there, they can bring forth fruit. And there, they can be useful to God. Thank you. For many graces, many graces and many loves, many loves. in Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Put your hands together for the Lord and you may be seated. And this about the last, we have a tomorrow, but for today, the last moment of the time that we are spending over here. God has also blessed us with some wonderful friends in the ministry. And um, God aloneness. Bible says that woe to he that is alone. Because when he falls, he has no man to help him. The being alone in the ministry It's a difficult thing. If you are here, there are also people here that you can flow with. And if you are in a conference like that, it's nice to flow and to make friends. And especially if you don't have friends. If you have enough friends, it's okay. If somebody is trying to make friends with you, tell him that I have enough and I don't need you. But otherwise... Everybody needs people. So by the grace of God, there are um, people that have also come to meet around. And by God's arrangement, we become friends and moving and flowing in the ministry. And when I call some of them, I'm doing conference, come. They also are very ready and very willing to come. God bless all of you for um, making time for this conference. I mean, I know that you are pastors of big churches. Many of the things you know them already, but yes, so even some of them 
I didn't want to invite them because I, they know, I know that they know all the things already, but they are here sitting through all the sessions. Uh, sometimes I don't know what else are they looking for, but they are still here. Clap for them. <laughs> and um, I want to invite one of my friends to share a word with us for a short time before Bishop Eddie comes. After that, we'll have some music ministration, and then Bishop Eddie will take over. Um, Reverend Ebenezer Oswansan is a man of God that I met a couple of years back, whose church was very close to my church, and then very soon he sacked me from the area and brought me to this place, which can only be the way that you are following, because if you are not coming here, there is nowhere else you are going. This, this is the only way. There's no other way. That's why it's called the Way Cathedral. He's a very anointed man of God. And I want him to share a few words with us at this time. Let's welcome Reverend Ebenezer. Also, I think your wife should come up and also say hello to us. Powerful. Please put your hands together for them very powerfully. Thank you. Please, before I speak, can we give Daddy a clap and a shout of praise? Oh, see, please wait. That was ten percent. I have just about five to ten minutes. But you see, the Bible says we should honor such people. If the there's a, the earth is shaking, it's called earthquake. If the church is shouting, it's called church quake. I want us to give the Lord a church quake. Give the Lord a shout of praise for daddy and mommy this is a great thing that they are doing here and we are happy and we are proud to be part of it amen do you know something when i say give the lord a shout they do. Hey, wait. but if many people your manchester's course and the bible said god saw how you were shouting for manchester and god is a jealous god so you see the way you are shouting for manchester is like it's more than god's own can we give the lord a louder shout for the man of god the woman of god no, in fact, those of you who are young, eh, it's three in one, a shout, a jump and a clap. It's not next coffee. It's shouting coffee. <laughs> Hallelujah. Please, my wife will say something shortly. And Hallelujah. Amen. I want to say God bless, um, first God bless God. <laughs> and then God bless daddy and mommy for this great work they are doing. And whenever we come here, we are blessed. Yes. We keep asking questions and that is always ready to answer. When we come, he makes time for us so that we ask as many questions. And I believe there are many mentors, there are, but there are few fathers. God bless you so much. God bless my best friend. This is my best friend. Amen. <laughs> Please, we may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I mean, I came to learn, so it was a surprise to me that I would speak. So out of what i have learned i'm sharing just about five minutes before i take my seat so please encourage me this is encourage me i'm talking shortly on honoring fathers please after me say honoring fathers please for the last time honoring fathers the first time i met bishop dag 
um, some time ago with my wife in his office. The first person he asked my wife, have you been taking good care of Pastor Eben? And I saw that this is a fatherly love he was showing towards me. And he even invited me by the grace of God to be part of the board members of the International Healing Jesus Group. And I'm very grateful to him for that. When you check the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, the last chapter, chapter 4, the last verse, verse 6. When God spoke like that for 400 years, he never spoke again. Before we came to Matthew 1. And what was it? He said that in the last days, the house of the fathers shall be tuned towards the house of the children. And the house of the children to the house of the fathers. Lest or otherwise, I will smite the earth with a curse. That means the, the, the issue of fatherhood and sonship or daughtership is a last day phenomenon. God said if in the last days fathers and sons and daughters are not knit together, God said there will be a curse. And what God calls a curse, you may think that it's not a curse. For example, Jesus Christ saw a fig tree and he cursed the fig tree. He said from today, no man shall eat fruit from you. But do you know that in life, if you are eating alone, you think that it's a blessing. Some people even hide their food from their friends. But Jesus said, if you are eating alone, it's not a blessing, it's a curse. What God calls a curse, you may think is a blessing. And God said, in the last days, if the house of fathers and the house of sons and daughters are not knit together, God said, I will smite the earth with a curse. The Lord told me, many young pastors are dying. And you see, you see maybe 32 years, pastor, what a shock. Gone too soon. In, in Nigeria, we saw one um, poster, gone at last. And I'm more chance to be one You see, the reason why many young pastors is like Bishop Edwards, they want to be, it's like I'm self made, I'm this. That's why Akurumati Bibrikwaka. They die like that. One day, Elisha was there. He was revealing the prophecies of the king of Assyria. King of Assyria said, Who has been doing that? They said, Elisha, the Tishbite. All of a sudden, they said, Go and catch Elisha and kill him. Please come. So, Elisha was sleeping. Oh, thank you, please join. You are, you are Elisha for illustration purposes. Go and sleep. And you are Elisha's servant. Please sleep. And the, 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 the soldiers came upon them. This is where I'm ending. And when the soldiers came upon them, because if you have a father, you have a covering. That's the truth. And the servant, the man of God was sleeping. The servant woke him up. Allah's master, talking from Second Kings chapter 6, from verse 13. He says, How shall we do? Then the man of God, what is happening? He said, look. When he looked, the enemies and the soldiers with their horses, they were all over coming to arrest one man of God. Can you imagine that? That should tell you the value of your man of God. He's heavy. You cannot just send one soldier. That's the value of your father. All of a sudden, Elisha woke up and looked and told the young man. He said, don't worry. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Why didn't he say those who are with, with us are more than them? That means they also came with a demonic presence. When you are going for an interview, when you are going for soul winning, the people that you are going to evangelize, some of them don't walk alone. Those who are with us are more than them. No, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. So they carried a demonic presence. But Elisha was talking and said those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then the Bible said that he said God Open the eyes of this young man. 
When God opened, you see, Elisha there, he could open and close. God opened eyes. Now God closed. Elisha was the one who went to stand before the soldiers. He said, who are you saying with Elisha? He said, no, I'm not the one. Let me take you to another place. And the whole band of soldiers, he could just lead them like that. He said, God opened the eyes of this young man and the eyes of the young man was open. Look at something very funny here. When the eyes, please, can you take us there? When the, verse 7, 17. Second Kings 6, 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire. Please, round about two. Round about two. That means, boy, you can't. Did you hear what I said? This guy is not part. It was only one about the father. But when the father was talking, since you are my son, I add you to it. Those who are with us. <laughs> Those who are with us. It was only around Elisha. But since you are my son, since you are my daughter, I add you to the protection I enjoy. So there's a protection Bishop Dark enjoys. When you come under Bishop Dark, he was most covering. All of a sudden, the kind of protection and preservation he enjoys as you submit as a father, as a son, as a daughter, you also enjoy. Certain things are not for vagabonds. They are for sons and daughters. He said in the last days, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. So if you are prophesying, you are not a son. We suspect you. If you are prophesying, you are not daughter. We suspect you. When God says, I'm coming to deliver you, God is not coming himself. He told the Israelites, I've heard your cry and I'm come down. The Israelites were looking up. He said, look down. There's a Moses coming. There's a Moses coming. There's a Moses coming. And that is why when Bishop Chief comes to stand here and Bishop Chief says, your ministries are having sheep. Please listen to me. God has spoken. When Bishop Steve speaks, God has spoken. God told Moses, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. In, a, in, in Exodus chapter 7 verse 1. That was small letter G. This is Moses. And Moses said, God, I cannot speak. Then God said, I will bring Aaron to the scene. If you are a son, here, if you are a daughter of this house, of Bishop Dad, of Bishop Steve. A son or daughter was into the ministry. Aaron came because Moses was stammering. Your father's weakness is your ministry. The reason why Aaron, you are in ministry is because your father cannot speak well. You don't come to criticize the way he's talking. You come to augment it. You come, you come to assist him. Don't become a resistance. Become an assistance. Don't become a resistance. Become an assistance. Don't become a resistance. Become an assistance. And God said in Exodus 4.16, 4.16, he said, Aaron, Aaron shall be your mouthpiece. And look at it, you shall be a God. Capital G. Look at it, and he shall be thy spokesman. This guy spoke unto the people. Even he shall be unto you instead of a mouth. And you shall be to him instead of God. And if you stay with a stammer for a long time, you know what they want to say. So Moses will tell Aaron that Aaron, God told me like the lamb should be, the blood should be posted on the lentils and doppels. God said we should put the lamb. Lamb, door post. Yes. So you see, I stand up and say, yes. So he will be hitting Aaron. Say Aaron. So you say that. Go and tell them, please. When Aaron goes to the Israelites, what will Aaron say? Aaron will say, God said. 
and yet Aaron has never seen the God of Israel before so which God was he talking about Moses so when your man of God talks it is God that has talked when your man of God speaks it is God that has spoken if you are able to view your father as a representative of God when he speaks and he tells you go and start a church go and start a home cell go and start a branch you may feel inadequate look at what the, the story Bishop Steve was saying he said that Bishop Doug said you go to Achimota and start let us see whether you are a pastor or not now all of us are here at the way all of us are here this is the way because a father spoke one day Bishop Steve said something that stayed with me. He said that Pastor wherever there's a shepherd, the sheep will gather. No, he stayed with me. He stayed. With, I said, oh, so even if there's zero membership and a shepherd gets there, sheep will gather. That is when all of a sudden our church had 20 churches out of one. Out of one. That time we went to him and we he, he may not remember. But I told our church last week that Bishop Steve said something that stayed with me. He said, where there's a shepherd, the sheep will gather. And truth be told, when I started sending shepherds, all of a sudden, sheep started gathering. And from our place, when I, I started church, after University of Ghana Business School, when I started church, we were just one. I called for me, only one person came. Ah, the audience of one, Samaritan woman. It was a woman. But as I submitted to fatherhood, I saw that a father is a feather to take you farther and further in life. <laughs> All of a sudden, we started growing by the grace of God, by fathership, period of fellowship. We have three services on a Sunday, and Bishop Steve came. He, he, he was telling me that he's going to come there. We are, we are building a new auditorium that takes 3,000 people. Why? By, by privilege of fatherhood. When I come to Bishop Steve with my wife, and we sit down and we are writing notes as he's just talking there's a transfusion and infusion of osmosis and, and also diffusion <laughs> because fathers make you have understanding if you don't have understanding you cannot be outstanding if you don't have knowledge you will not be acknowledged if you don't have wisdom you cannot live in freedom in ministry many people are frustrated because the one who should have covered them they have moved themselves out of the covering so to end jesus said jerusalem i have longed to gather you as a hen gathers the chicks he said but you have missed your day of visitation he said henceforth jesus was talking he said you shall see me no more until you say blessed is he that comes in the name of the lord look at it he said you shall see me jesus you, you, you shall see me no more except you know how to welcome those who are coming in my name many people want to see jesus directly share jesus said you can even see him and he will direct you to a man paul met him on the road to damascus god made him blind jesus made him blind so he would and he will come and heal him jesus is the one who can make you blind for you to go to a man mm. Jesus said, you shall not see me anymore until you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You want to see Jesus? Then receive those he sends to you as fathers. And God will bless you. Thank you, sir. So much. Come on, put your hands together. Are you in the those with us? I like that illustration. He said the host was around Elijah, not Elisha. But when Elijah spoke, 
He said, those with us. So where are you? Are you with us? Or you are neutral? There's no neutral place. So, yes. Thank you very much. Man of God. Reverend Ebenezer Osuansa of Great Expectations Movement. His church is at um, Domi, uh, near the market. The junction before King of Kings Cathedral Junction. So that's why he sacked me from the place because, I mean, I don't know whether he was afraid that he will fight me or I'll fight him or the place was too small for us. I hope I'm not a lot. <laughs> but that was very powerful. God bless you. God bless you. All right, please let me seated. Please put your hands together for... Please welcome the choir that has forgotten their name. But they have a ministration for you. Yeah. Oh, clap for them, clap for them, clap. In your presence, there is fullness of life and healing flowing. Body, soul, and mind. God of miracles, God of the impossible is He. Yeah. 
Thank you very much. Put your hands together for the Nyontufo no Maya dear pal. 